we probably shouldn't be having this conversation tonight, nor should I be preaching, because of Zacchaeus. That's why we're going to preach, and that's why we're listening to this. Now, normally what I said is we shouldn't be talking about it because this scene shouldn't have happened. Zacchaeus was not very kind to people. He was a tax collector, as we know in the scriptures, tax collectors uh, are, are in those days not as loved as they are today. <laughs> but he was corrupt. He was devious. He was hated by most of his peers. Maybe that's why he had to climb the tree. Maybe everyone lined the street to see Jesus coming down and, and no one would let him in. So he had to cleverly find a way to find Christ and, and he goes up that tree. And, and, and normally, in, in all circumstances, like the rest of us, Jesus should have just walked by that tree. And we wouldn't be talking about this. But he stopped and he looked. Not even knowing who he was, he called him by name and he said, come down. I need to stay with you tonight. Salvation has come to your house. You know, leave it to Jesus to mess the whole thing up. You know, why wouldn't he just keep going by? Why didn't he be just, why did, why did he stop in that Samaritan town? Why did he stop and talk to the woman at the well? Why did he stop and, and talk to lepers and sinners and the woman caught in adultery and the men who, who, who opposed her? And some simple answer don't need a degree for it. Jesus loves sinners. Jesus loves sinners. Why would he love sinners? Why? We, we're, we're supposed to hate sin. You know, we're called to love the sinner just like Jesus. Let me tell you a little bit. Where, 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 I mean, we could look at all kinds of scripture tonight, but let's stay focused where we are with the three readings we have especially the book of wisdom, which is sometimes very difficult to understand, very philosophical, a lot of flowery words. The book of wisdom is written about 50 years before Jesus was even born. And it's written in Greek while a Jew was living in Alexandria. And he had one interest and one interest alone as he looked around and saw all the people of his own heritage he was concerned that they were forgetting their lineage and their God. He was a devout Jew. He was rooted in biblical culture. And he translated that Bible, that sec uh, the, the Bible to his own, his letter to the people of that place in that time. And what he's telling them again is to look at our history. Read where, from where we have come and how far we've gone. He's concerned with God himself and how God responds to humanity. And this author makes an effort so that people can better understand and, and have a comprehensive knowledge of who God really is and why God acts the way he does with wisdom and, and moderation. Even when he punishes, even when he chastises and scolds us, God is very merciful. God is very kind to us. Now we only heard a part of the book of wisdom and only part of chapter 11 tonight in the very beginning of chapter 12, one, one line. 
But if we look at the whole thing before and after, that whole chapter is devoted to reminding people that we've been in a long journey. Forty years in a desert. And knowing it or not knowing it, with the help of God, we overcame all adversity. God protected us from our enemies. When we were hungry, he fed us. When we were thirsty, he gave us abundant water from a rock. What he's reminding the people is that some people in that journey, like us, like those people he's writing to, they groaned about everything. They grumbled and they moaned, they groaned about every little thing that God asked them to do. They groaned about the journey, they groaned about God's demands. To the point where some of them even left, they didn't even bother anymore. They were no, no longer practicing their faith, they were no longer worshiping God. Some were misled by others to, to, just, to just leave, to abandon. Voices of the world told them that God wasn't worth investing ourselves in. Let's go somewhere else. Some chose to worship false gods. Some made idols out of serpents and insects. But all through it all, with this, this author of wisdom tells them and he tells us, God is full of mercy and overlooked their sins. And he says it in this line, he says, you love all things that are, and you hate what you did not create. We listen to that scripture in the New Testament, in the Christian scriptures, it always talks about God cannot turn it back on himself because he's in us, cannot turn his back on us because he's in us. Earlier this week, I, I was preaching something about the, the church. I said that the line was that the church is, is without spot and the church is out wrinkled, without wrinkle. And I believe that. The church is without spot. The church is without wrinkle because the church is Jesus Christ. And he's perfect. There's no flaw in Jesus Christ. What's imperfect, what is spotted, what is wrinkled is us who come and ruin it <laughs> by our selfishness, our sins, our greed, our own rules and regulations. We throw the spots, we throw the wrinkles, the living church. That's why I love when we get to that one part of Mass where we say, uh, look not on our sins, don't look at my sins, look at the faith of your church, look at the faith of your son who gave himself up for my salvation. That's why we are allowed to have this conversation tonight. This message of the, of the author of the Book of Wisdom is, is a message for every age because it reminds us from where we have come. It reminds us that God is our creator and that God will always act with mercy and love when he deals with us. He'll point us in the right direction. He'll lead us to the right place. He will take us where we need to be. It may take a while to get there. We have to be patient with God as he unfolds himself to us in our own lives, in the church, in society. Sometimes we, we don't want to do that because, well, we, we think if, 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 we, if we're going to just turn our, close our eyes and, and not look at other people's sins or our own, 
then we're embarrassed or, you know, it's a fundamental divine attitude that God will always have. God will never be embarrassed of his creation. Book of Genesis, Easter Vigil, all, all readings. What's the first one? The creation of the world. And at the end of each reading, it says, and God looked at what he had done and he was pleased the first day, the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth. God's always looking at us in ways that we cannot see ourselves because there's nothing that God cannot do that's beyond his power, especially when it comes to dealing with his mercy. Slow to anger, rich in kindness. God is merciful because he loathes nothing. But we get wrapped up in, in our own power. We're the, we're the people who loathe others and we loathe anyone that has control over us. We don't want to be people of mercy or forgiveness. We want to be people of punishment and, of, and revenge. We're easy to condemn. We want the power. For us to close our eyes to faults admits weakness, blindness, or even complete resignation. We've come to hate and to spurn and to destroy anything that, that, that even touches of God in our lives. But God continues to shut his eyes to our sinfulness because he believes in the possibility of our conversion. He knows that deep inside of us, we are better than we appear to others or we think of ourselves. God never thinks when he sees us that nothing good can come out of us. But like Genesis, he sees what he made and he knows it's good. And like Zacchaeus, he knows that there's a chance that we can all change our mind and convert and accept his love and accept his mercy. God is the Lord and the lover of souls. He gives us life. He maintains our life and he returns it to himself when it's time. And he returns us to the fold when we are lost. Zacchaeus may have been corrupt. Zacchaeus may have been hated. But Zacchaeus converted. His story is our story. You know, I'm not encouraging you to go home and climb any trees today. But I encourage us to really listen to the word of God as it speaks to our heart. Let it melt away that sinfulness that holds us from being one with, God, with him and each other. In the second prayer, the Eucharistic prayer of reconciliation, which I'll use tonight, we hear these words, God of power and might, we praise you through your son, Jesus Christ, who comes in your name. He is the word that brings salvation. He is the hand you stretch out to sinners. He is the way that leads to your peace. God, our Father, we had wandered far from you, but through your son, you have brought us back. You gave him up to death so that we might turn again to you and find our way to one another. <laughs>